Hey everybody, uh, before you skip ahead through the intro and the dumb bit uh, to the Bill Burr interview, which is a really good interview by the way, I just want to talk to you about something really important for just a second. I promise I won't keep you long. Um, I put this show together on Sunday and uh, it was a crazy busy week for us and uh, so I thought I had a little bit of time on Sunday. I'll put the episode together real quick. Well, um, on Tuesday morning, uh, we were informed that uh, a woman that we know from our church passed away uh, suddenly. Uh, and it has been a very tragic event, uh, it, it, a very a big shock to the entire church community. And uh, basically, they've uh, put up, uh, set up a GoFundMe page to help out the family. Uh, she leaves behind a husband and three children, one of which is just a baby, uh, I think like 18 months old. And boy, you, you just cannot wrap your head around something like this. And for those of you who have gone through something like this, you know what I mean. Uh, there's a GoFundMe page. There'll be a link to it on our uh, Podbean page, pfradio.podbean.com. If you're listening to this any other way than through Podbean, which most of you are, or you can go to GoFundMe and just type in, in the front, type in Massa, and her first name is Erica, and they've set up a fund to help out the family, and boy, they're going to need it because um, I'm pretty sure the, the husband, uh, he works a lot out of town, so he's going to need help, you know, trying to take care of those three kids, and uh, it's, it is just sad beyond words. But if you could, you know, just throw in a couple of bucks, it would be very helpful, and I would appreciate it. And now, on with the show. Hi, this is Lewis Black, and uh, you're listening to PF's tape recorder. I don't know how you got to be able to listen to it, but and, and that he even has a tape recorder at this point in our time is really extraordinary, because there are better things for, to listen to stuff on. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Bill Burr. I'm going to run to a comedian who killed it one New Year's Eve and some big network executive song, and then asked him to come in and read for a big part, and he didn't know how to act. So he, I remember him telling me, he said, hey man, uh, if I was you when I was starting out, I'd make sure I took an acting class. So I just started taking an acting class. I had no desire to act whatsoever. We hear more from Bill Burr in just a few minutes. Talks about all his new show on Netflix and uh, stand-up comedy, of course, and uh, his career and all that fun stuff. And we have a song of the week coming up from Bear's Den. I think you're going to dig that. But first, we have a dumb bit, an election-themed dumb bit. This episode drops November 1st, and of course November 3rd is Election Day in many parts of the country, including where we live. And we have a few uh, state initiatives on the ballot here. We have one for the uh, legalization of marijuana, we have one for anti-gerrymandering, and I forget what the third one is for. But uh, the most exciting part about this election is that Fangirl gets to vote for the very first time. And I thought, but we should figure out what else is going on and make sure we, you know, we're voting correctly on all of the issues in the candidates. And the only candidates we really have to concern ourselves with are we live in a township, uh, there are trustees that run the township, we have two people running for two of the spots as trustees, a man named Russ Jackson and a woman named Dee Stone. Now, uh, I looked this up. This is going to be hard to find because, you know, township election, who's going to have details on that? Well, I did find some stuff. Miss Stone has a website. and She seems like a nice lady. I don't think she's going to win. Mr. Jackson's yard signs are way bigger than hers, and he has a lot more of them. And I think that's probably going to do it uh, for him. But uh, she seems like a nice enough lady. Uh, that When I Googled uh, Mr. Jackson, though, I forgot about this uh, little debacle he was involved in in our township. And I'll quickly explain to you that uh, we have a shopping center behind this big shopping center. Uh, there's a big hillside, and they were going to build a big movie 
movie theater and condos and everything. And somehow this developer rooked the township into giving them $6 million to build a parking garage. I guess, which is crazy because if you're going to build a development, you should take care of the parking. But I guess they figured since they were, you know, building this in a, an area that's hard to develop down a hillside, that the township somehow should somehow foot the bill. Well, Mr. Jackin explains. He says uh, they asked him, the reporter from Channel 19, investigating what happened to our $6 million, uh, asked him why would we give the developer $6 million? And, and here's his answer. Why? Because we needed the parking. And I still don't understand that answer because I don't think we needed the parking. We have a big empty parking lot in front of the shopping center that nobody goes to, and there's plenty of parking spaces there. So anyway, we give them the $6 million, and the developer goes belly up in 2009. And uh, Mr. Jackson has an answer for that, though, as to why we lost our $6 million. Here it is. Maybe it was the president of the United States that took the country into the, the doldrums that we've gone through for the last eight years. Now, now, surely he means President Bush because President Bush was in office in 2007 when this deal was signed, and Barack Obama was inaugurated in January of 2009, just a few months before the developer went out of business, unless the developer said, oh, crap, they did inaugurate the black guy. Let's get out of here, and he decided to go bankrupt. I don't think that's the case, though. So Mr. Jackson's argument is, I made a hideous deal and lost the township $6 million, which is about $350 Per household, by the way. So this guy owes me 350 bucks. But his answer is... Maybe it was the president of the United States that took the country into the, the doldrums that we've gone through for the last eight years. Yeah, I don't know where your $6 million is. Ask the black guy in the White House. I'm clueless. Yeah, you've got my vote, Mr. Jackson. This episode of PF's Tape Recorder is brought to you by Home Shirts Cleveland. For all of your Northeast Ohio vintage t-shirt needs, visit homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. You'll also find links to the original Cincy Shirts site, as well as Home Shirts Indianapolis, with more cities to come. That's homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. Now, on with the show. Bill Burr is a stand-up comedian you've seen on the late-night talk shows, of course, or perhaps selling out a theater or two across the country. He's also been on Breaking Bad, Chappelle's show, and starts his own animated series in December called F is for Family. Here now is our interview with Bill Burr. Hello. Hello, Bill. What's going on? Not much, man. Good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you, too. You know what? If for some reason my iPhone is with computer, and it rings on my computer, and I can't shut it off. That's unbelievable. You were cutting out there for a second, but I think we're okay now. Um, the, your publicist never answered my question. Is it okay if we use this uh, audio for my podcast like we did last time? Yeah, fine. Okay, cool. So I thought. Well, I'll welcome in. Okay, joining us on PS Tape Recorder is the return of Bill Burr. Bill, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful, and how are you? I'm doing great. Things have been blowing up for Bill Burr since the last time we spoke. Have they? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they have. I feel like I'm still out there telling jokes. It's the same old stuff, you know? I know, but a lot more people are coming to the Bill Burr party, it seems. Don't don't you reckon, or, or no? No, no, yeah, definitely more people are coming, but, you know. It is what it is, you know. It's still the same thing. You got to go out there and make them laugh at this, uh, you know, twenty people or a couple hundred of them. So I don't know. I, I try not to think of that stuff. I just try to just get better as a comic. 
Well, with all the stuff that you're involved in now, and you know, you've had the the, so the acting success, you got the new show starting on uh, Netflix, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, I mean, did you find yourself? Does that make you less irritable with the more success, or are you just irritated about different things? Uh, no, actually, you know, well, my level of success as a comic doesn't like inform my act. It's more like uh, if I work on myself outside of my act, which I have, to not be such an angry psycho. It's made me a lot happier a person, but it has not affected my act adversely because I still make a lot of mistakes in life. Uh-huh. And there's always going to be something that I see to be, be able to make fun, make fun of. But that's a big myth that if you become happy as a comedian that, you know, you won't be funny anymore. And then then also the whole myth of the sad clown yeah. that we're all morose and sitting yeah, in the yeah. corner, like uh, staring at a wall unless <laughs> we're on stage. I mean, there's elements of that, but it's sort of a caricature more than, uh, you know, comics are way more three-dimensional than that. Well, as you've gotten older, because I had this, I asked Marin about this. As you get older, don't you find you just like things just don't bother you like they used to? That it's, it takes more effort to get irritated than it's worth, or haven't you reached that level yet? Um, yeah, I guess there's the truth of that. I don't. Know. It's it's more like you um, you just you know you you can only run into the same brick wall so many times. Like, hey, why don't I walk around it? Or why don't I walk in a different direction? It becomes more of that. Yeah. But um, there will be something else that bugs you. I mean, if you're new, there will be something else that bothers you. But, like, I, I, um, I don't know. I, I try not to deconstruct it too much because then I feel like I'm watching myself. When I'm watching myself, it doesn't work for me. Uh-huh. It, it throws off the uh, the natural balance of things. No, it's more like rather than me looking out at the crowd and saying what I want to say. Now I'm sitting in the crowd looking back at me uh-huh. and, uh, you know, when people ask you to talk about your style and how you come up with your stuff, I don't try to break it down too much. It's too scary. Now, as, as far as the acting thing and, and uh, producing this new show, uh, I, did you start acting kind of pretty much with the Chappelle show and, and it just went from there and you found you had a liking to it or were people approaching you and saying, you know, wow, we're funny, you're funny as an actor too. Uh, we could use you in this kind of a thing. I started like a lot of comics, which is like you just started as a comedian and then all of a sudden uh, you run into comics who, I'm going to run into a comedian who uh, killed it one New Year's Eve and some big network executive saw him and then asked him to come in and read for a big part, and he didn't know how to act. So he, I remember him telling me, he said, hey, man, uh, if I was you when I was starting out, I'd make sure I took an acting class. So uh-huh. I just started taking an acting class. I had no desire to act whatsoever. I always just wanted to be a comedian, but, you know, the look on his face <laughs> when he told the story let me know that it was important. And uh, so I took an acting class, uh, Peter Kelly's Harrison Project, way back in the day in, like, 94 was when I first started. And, um, and I actually found that I liked it, but just cause I liked it, I didn't get good enough to start booking jobs until probably about five years ago, six years ago. And the only reason why I got on the Chappelle show was because Dave was, Chappelle was also a comedian. Neil Brennan was always around. Neil wasn't doing stand at the time, but he was always around the clubs. So they kind of threw me a bone on that one. Um, uh-huh. but they liked what I did and they brought me back, but yeah, it wasn't until it took me a long time to be able to relax and be comfortable to 
even remote, we'd even get a call back in an audition. So, um, yeah, that's, that was basically the history of my acting. So how did Breaking Bad come about then? Because you were so good in that. Because a lot of times you see a comedian and you think, oh, they're just getting it because, you know, he kind of maybe fits in because, you know, Odenkirk was a comic and maybe there'll be some, you know, chemistry there and things like that. But you were really good. And to the point where, you know, we wanted to see more of Kubi, I think, uh, you know, in, in some episodes. Did they approach you or is that just something you did Well, like I for? said, it wasn't until about five years ago I started to get decent at it, five, six years ago. So that, I mean, I didn't get on Breaking Bad. I don't believe I got on that show until about 2010. It was the fourth season, yeah. the filming of it. But how I got on that show was I was lucky enough to be, I watched the pilot episode of it. And like everybody else, I was immediately hooked. Oh, yeah. Except I was in the business. So rather than just watching it every week, I immediately called my agent. Well, I can't say immediately. I was about three, four episodes in. I was just like, hey, man, uh, you know, are they doing season two yet? And they were like, yeah, they're already going. I think it's all cast. And I was just like, I just kept bugging them. And they had me get put on tape. And um, it was funny. I actually read, I think I read uh, some scenes that the actor that played Badger, it was his scenes. And um, oh, okay. yeah. I read some of his stuff that was already filmed. It was obviously already cast, but they just wanted to see if I could act. Uh-huh. I, was, I was basically playing, maybe it wasn't Badger, maybe it was one of the other guys, I don't know. It was one of his, one of Jesse Pinkman's uh, drug dealing slash drug using buddies. Yeah. And um, they saw I could act, they said, oh, you know, we'll keep him in mind, blah, 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 blah. And then next thing you know, season four comes along. I got him called to play this guy, Kubi, and it was a car wash scene. I went down, they liked it, somehow I got it, and I, I still remember when I got it. I got off the phone and I told my girlfriend it was in my life and she knew what a big deal it was. And I was like, I got it. I'm on the show. And she freaked. We were both freaking out, just freaking out. And one of the coolest things ever was knowing that I was going to be on the episode and they were going to spell my name, like with the chemistry thing, you know? Oh yeah. And two yeah. of my <laughs> brothers have a really good science background. So they already showed me, you know, like it's, it's the science club. You know, boring. I don't. I didn't. I have a whole science background, but they actually knew what it was. Oh wow! And uh, as weird as that is, I always thought that was so cool that they did the chemistry science. Yeah. And that's such a cool little thing that they added. Even even their credits were were amazing. Oh, I know. And the fact that they do that with my name, I just thought was uh, was to me in a lot of ways just as big as actually interacting with the characters that I've been watching, just that they were going to spell my name out with that chemistry. It's funny. What is it? uh, What is that chart? The 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 element? Periodic table. The periodic table. Yeah, there we go. There you go. And that's from a broadcast major, so that's pretty impressive. Um, Yeah, it is impressive. Yeah. So the, with the Netflix series, how did uh, how did that come about? Is this something you had rolling around in your head for a while, or did you just were you taking meetings and they say we'd like to have you develop something, or how did how did that come together? A little bit of all of that. Um, frustration as a comedian that my childhood stories were suddenly becoming politically incorrect when I knew that the crowd had experienced what I had on some level, uh-huh. and um, I was trying to think well. I still love telling these stories. How can I tell them in a way that will make this new crowd that had play dates and wore helmets when they rode bicycles not feel like they have to give me the social responsible response and actually be la- give me a true laugh on it? And 
one day I was walking my dog and I just gave it the idea. What if I just animated the story? That would be cool. And I was just going to finance it myself, do a little five minute vignettes and, uh, put them up on my website. And, um, it's just such a long story. I somehow ended up getting a meeting through Steve Byrne with Vince Vaughn's company, Wild West. Uh-huh. And uh, I just sort of threw it out there that I had this idea for a cartoon, and they were looking to do something animated. And next thing you know, we're working with Mike Price from The Simpsons, and Mike Price is one of the creators of the show, and he had the same kind of background that I did. We put together a writer's room, and uh, we ended up selling it over at Netflix, Thanks to Vince, because Vince actually came in the meetings and was sitting in the meeting, a fucking A-list movie star, right? It's sitting there like they're not going to buy it, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Netflix bought it, and Netflix came up with the brilliant idea to serialize it, because I wanted to just be like standalone um, episodes like The Simpsons. Yeah. And now that we've done, I quickly realized the genius of doing it serialized because it really fleshes out the characters and the storylines. And um, it took it to another level of creativity. And to the point now, I can't even imagine if we did it the other way, it would have been so so, so much less of a show. Ah. Netflix has been amazing. It's the only time I've ever worked with a network where they were going, yeah, push it further, push it further. Oh, that's cool. You usually get the exact opposite. You're usually like, well, I don't know, we have a lot of women, or yeah. we're with that state of kids, and yeah. this is thing far politically this way and they were just like nah man go farther well, <laughs> go, so, go deep <laughs> so I know when Louie got his show everybody was all jealous because they were like oh the only thing you gotta do is go by standards and practices and that's not even a big hurdle over there it's just do whatever you want is it like that at Netflix or is it even beyond that where it's just like do whatever you want yeah there is no standards and practices and they, ah. they're giving us very very few notes and the notes that they've been Given us something really constructive. It's it's sort of the dream situation. It it's like a network it. telling you just push it further, take it as far as your imagination will go, and then when they do chime in, it's actually is solid. You know, it has it has merit. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it, it it's helped the show. Yeah, well, they do they do know a thing or two. It's just like I guess in a, a lot of cases, in most cases in TV history, it's like they think they know. A lot more than they do, and then it you know, and it gets out of hand. That's where people uh, complain. Well, the advantage Netflix has is they don't have to deal with advertising. Yeah. And I think so many of the networks, obviously, and and you know, even a lot of the the, the basic cable, they yeah. they are at the mercy of their advertisers. And there is that feeling that when three people complain in their head, it's thirty million people, oh, and yeah, yeah. then that starts to panic. The sky is falling, and then you know, someone in the industry loses their job well, and then they got to worry about how they're going to make rent and put food on the table and that would if that if i was in their position that would really hamper my ability to take chances so i've learned to be more mature about you know rather than being like oh the industry the, you know a bunch of corporate blah 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 it's like no they are in a situation and they're acting accordingly and you know, for the most part acting the way i would yeah no, well, and that's what people said. Is, you know, HBO was so groundbreaking with it because, like you said, they're they're not beholden to advertisers. Uh, they're beholden to a bigger corporation, I guess, but that still doesn't seem to get as in the way as you know as people trying to satisfy. Yeah, they have to hold the advertisers, and then they also had to carve out a niche, and they couldn't try to go out and do what was already being done. So, um, you know, and that's of course overly simplifying it. Then you have to have you know somebody with 
an unbelievable vision and also who can spot talent and then get yourself in business with people who can come up with all uh, like the great series of Sopranos or Six Feet Under There. I mean, they just had a zillion unbelievable. Is The Wire on HBO too? Or is that Showtime? Show, Showtime, I think. But yeah, same thing. We, Shameless is on Showtime. Yeah, but whatever. Between HBO yeah. and Showtime, I mean, it's just... Yeah. I mean, they, they, for 20 years, have been the benchmark. And I think now that's why, you know, you're seeing Breaking Bad being on an AMC and these just incredible shows. Fargo's a big one that I watch now and uh, Walking Dead. It's just like the level... It's like watching movies. That's a Every week, thing, yeah. it's like you're watching this new movie with the same characters. It's, I can't, it's astounding the amount of work that that must be. It's interesting, because I always see these shows about the future, and, and Star Trek was a big proponent of this idea, is that like, by the middle of the 21st century, you know, the, the, the form of TV was dead. And I'm thinking, like, I don't think that's ever going to be the case. I think that 20-minute, 25-minute storytelling structure is always going to be with us now. It may not be in the, you know, through the medium that we know it, but I think that's been established. I think it's going to, you know, that's going to stay with us. And I think well, personally speaking, I like something familiar. Right? When I go on the internet, I got to be honest with you, the inter- my internet use is like six different sites. Yeah, yeah, me too. Like Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Um, and then I'm trying to think, I feel this guy, Mike'sLessons.com for drum lessons. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I, I, it's so funny that when just there's just about everything is on the internet um, that I go to so few of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I've got these apps on my phone. I use like four of them: BBC Amer or the BBC News and uh, some of the audio, my podcasting applications, and that's that's. I used to go to the Al Jazeera site just because I wanted to hear what they were saying about us. They oh, try yeah. to get it a little more unfiltered. But once they came out with the USA one, they always drive you there, and it's just. It was more of a pain in the ass. Like, I loved reading what they thought, and then yeah, just seeing how you were perceived. It was like going into your neighbor's house and hearing what they said about you. You know what I mean? I, I always found like that type of stuff fascinating. But then That's, once they had the USA one, just like, well, I'm already underneath this um, this umbrella. It's just going to be a little bit different. But the the, um, the video and the interviews and everything was was really different. It was kind of like last week when I was on the road. I got to watch Buffalo, you know, the Buffalo Bills game from their home station. And just all this extra oh, yeah, yeah. information on the Bills I thought was really interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. And watching Rex Ryan doing local car commercials and shit. It was really cool. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Cause I always felt that way about the BBC and the CBC is that even though we have a shared culture with those countries, it's interesting to see just the slightly different uh, view they have of us that, that we do to, as we do. Yeah, to and the they, get, they get their digs in. Yeah, yeah. I remember one time I was watching the, one of these channels, I think it was China, and they were doing like, it was like a TV, it was almost like their daily show kind of thing. Not like the, I remember it must have been out of Hong Kong if they were allowed to do it, but it was along those lines. And it showed the begin opening ceremonies when when the uh, when uh, the Olympics were in China, and it showed the American team walking by, waving the flags, all proud and everything. And then they smash cut to somebody looking at the tag inside the American warm up jersey, and it said "Made in China." Yeah. <laughs> and it was one of those deals where I didn't have to know what they were saying to know what they were oh, saying. Yeah. I was like, and uh, I was like, "Oh, look at these bastards taking a shot at us!" All right. <laughs> there you go. So um, I want to ask you about like working uh, back on the show for a second because I know you got some nice names uh, attached to it, as they say in Hollywood, with Laura Dern and Justin Long. 
Um, uh, yeah, some long Sam Rockwell. Uh, oh, wow. Gary Cole. Oh, I love Gary Cole. Uh, seven Michael Richardson. We got some heavy hitters. We got uh, we got a bunch of people um, on the show. I mean, it was so flattering. Haley Reinhardt actually does the voice of me when I was a kid. Um, for those who watched her, I think it was American Idol. Uh, she was one of the finalists on that. She's an astoundingly talented person. Huh. Um, you know, and she's from Chicago, so she's totally blue collar and cool. Oh, there you go. So, uh, so oh, Mo Collins. Oh my God, backbone of the show, crushing it. Uh, so you might know her from Mad TV That's and everything. Right. We just yeah, got yeah. some amazing, amazing, amazing people on the show. So they're all propping me up. <laughs> so is Justin Long though always there going on about ah, Billy? You really should be using a Mac or is uh? <laughs> no, isn't. Dude, that guy. Is so funny. He plays. He does the voice of Kevin, who plays uh, Kevin Murphy, who's the oldest son of the character I do, Frank Murphy. Okay. And um, it's coming out on Netflix. It's six episodes. Comes out in December. Right. Okay. Right. The college kids get out of school because Netflix is smart, and they realize they're going to go home. Their parents are going to drive them nuts, and they're going to want to close the door and binge watch something. Um, hopefully, they'll, they'll give us a track. And and also that's when a lot of shows go into uh, repeats for the Christmas break to try to stretch out the season, like the network shows, like your Big Bang theories and all those. They start showing repeats uh, between Thanksgiving hey, and New Year's. You know, so there you go. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Netflix knows what they're doing. <laughs> I think so. I think they've proven that for the most part. They've uh, had a lot of success at that kind of a thing. So you were saying you're watching the uh, the either that or they're on one hell of a lucky streak. I guess I, I guess so. Yeah, we're we're, we're very pro Netflix uh, around these parts. Um, so you were saying you were watching the Bills uh, Patriots game. I guess you got to be pretty happy with uh, the way things are going with uh, the Patriots. Yes, I am. We're giving up too many points, but uh, I'm definitely happy. And you know the Bills bounced right back and they destroyed Miami. And I know Miami isn't as bad as the Bills made them look. So the Bills are going to be a force. I still think in the AFC East. I mean, they're what? Was it two and one? Yeah, I think they're two and one. Yeah. And um, I, I still don't think you know. I still think we're going to split with them. Even though he won that first one in Buffalo, it's kind of hard to think that they come into Gillette uh, Stadium and win. But Rex Ryan did that with the Jets when he, he had a game manager as a quarterback and he had a great defense. He went in during the playoffs. That's we crushed him the game before in Gillette Stadium. He came in. And uh, as I remember, they pretty much kicked our ass. And uh, so that could always happen. So I'm, I'm not, just because we beat him, pretty handily, um, although we let him get back in in the end. I, I still don't think that, that that next game is by any means a foregone conclusion. Well, they were saying on uh, the Mike and Mike program, at least uh, uh, Mike uh, Greeny, as they call him, was saying that, uh, and he got a little blowback from uh, from his partner, was that uh, the, the Patriots, he, see, he sees them possibly going undefeated because they look down at the schedule and he goes, every one of these teams they play, they can beat because they're not going to see Green Bay. They don't play that part of the NFC this year. And there's really, you know, nobody else in the conference, uh, you know, possibly Denver late in the season. You know, they've already gotten past Pittsburgh. So, you know, what's, that's pretty much it. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I think if we went 16-0 and again, I, I definitely think that strength of schedule would, that always comes into play. And uh, But I, I think the Bills are, uh, you know, when you play somebody two times in a year, it's really hard to beat them twice. It yes. just is. It's so, like when I used to, you know, bet on football and anything, 
I always loved uh, betting that game, that second game between division rivalries, oh. and taking the team that lost and whatever points that they would get. I always loved that bet. Not like it always came in, but How old that was you? one of my I, I one could, of my theories. I could use that tip. How well did you end up doing? You think they did? They did better than fifty percent. Oh, dude, you know the deal. They always pick the perfect number. The game oh, actually yeah, yeah. played out a lot of yes. times the way I thought it was going to be, and I still lost. Like, <laughs> like that's why I stopped gambling. It was just like, oh, yeah, these yeah. guys are so good. You know what I mean? And I, you know, I sometimes think that, you know, sports were fixed, but just the amount of people, like in football, that would have to be involved oh, to yeah, make it yeah. happen. Yeah. Although I was right about the NBA, <laughs> you know? Yeah. For years, I said it was fixed, and then uh, they ended up. And everybody told me I was nuts, and then they they had that mobbed up ref, and I was going. I felt vindicated, and everybody just went like, "Oh, it's just one guy." It's like, what do you mean? It's just one guy. It's that whole crew. Oh yeah. I how long could a guy be be shaving points before you realized it? Well, maybe the investigation took a long time, but like, dude, come on, man. There was there was just too much like. It played out like a TV show. For I'm not saying the whole time, but like they definitely had an issue through the 2000s. There was something going on there. Well, I don't know if they felt like they were losing traction as Jordan left, but there was a lot of finessing yeah. going on there. Yeah. Of uh, it, it seemed or whatever. A lot of lucky things happened, but you know they got lucky when Bird went to the Celtics and Magic went to the Lakers. So I'll, I'll probably just be paranoid. And LeBron you know? went to Cleveland. Just as it that was uh, man. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and then and on top of that, uh, got the the uh, won the lottery again to get Kyrie, and it's and and somehow we still haven't been able to turn the corner in Cleveland, which is just crazy. Well, I mean, you got now you got into the finals and everything. You just yeah. ran out of gas. Uh, well, there's injuries. Yeah, one of our guys on the Celtics. I mean, that did not look unintentional to me, man. That looked like. Well, yeah. I can see that your arms get hooked up, but like he kind of grabbed the guy's arm and then turned his torso. Man, that looked. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he literally wanted to injure the guy, but he definitely wanted to uh, get a little shot in. Sure, probably know? in the heat of the moment. Yeah, yeah, that happens. Um, well, cool, man. I know you're a busy guy, so I'll let you go. And I've already taken up so much of your time, and I appreciate you doing this. Um, as always, the you know the interview will be in print in City Beat. Uh, the podcast will drop in a couple of weeks. And uh, all right, well, this has been well uh, tweet me. Tweet me the link and I'll retweet it. Awesome, terrific. Well, thanks, man. I'll do that when, it, right, when it goes in print and in uh, and when it drops uh, for the podcast. Great, man. Okay, good talking to you again. Continue success, sir. All right, thank All you right. so much. Thanks for helping me promote my show. I'll see you. Oh, no problem. Bye. Thanks again to Bill Burr for being on the show. You can catch Bill Burr in Philadelphia on November 6th at the Wells Fargo Center, Daytona, Florida, the Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University ICI Center, boy, that's a mouthful, and New York City at Madison Square Garden November 14th, then uh, two nights in Los Angeles, New Year's Eve at the Orpheum Theater there. I guess it's an early show and a late show, and of course his animated series F is for Family premieres on Netflix in December. No exact date yet, but stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll dispense, of course, with the usual uh, credits, of course, because uh, we're kind of on a time crunch here. But I just want to say uh, thanks to um, uh, everyone for listening so far. We're up to uh, over 4,000 listeners, so that's cool. 
Uh, what else did I want to cover, though? Oh, yes, we're still trying to get my friend Bob Gray on to talk about his book, Attack of the Melon Heads. Still think Bob is mad at me for comparing his friends to the KBBL broadcasting from The Simpsons, but um, we'll try to get that sorted. And then Bob is supposed to ask a friend of his, a very uh, good friend of his, uh, kind of some comedy royalty, especially if you're from Cleveland, uh, like I am, uh, to be on this podcast. We'll see how that works out. Fingers crossed. And in the meantime, we're up to the song of the week. The song of the week is from Barristan. If you like your Mumford & Sons or any of your kind of acoustic-y, folky uh, kind of uh, Americana or I guess even uh, Britannia kind of uh, folky rock music, this should be straight in your basket. This is uh, Barristan. song is called Elysium. It's our song of the week. So long and thanks for listening. Brother, do you Our souls will both collide in some great Elysium, way up in the sky, free from our shackles, our chains, our mouths, our brains, we'll open all the gates, we will walk careless, straight 